It's This Week in Bourbon. Your stocks might be down, but the bourbon news is up. And here's your headlines for May 20th, 2022. Evan Williams' single barrel is being removed from the market and turning into a Kentucky-only release, and we've got an exclusive with a Heaven Hill spokesperson. Freddie Noe has been named the 8th generation master distiller, and $150,000 of stolen bourbon has been recovered, and the thieves have been arrested. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof, and the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Welcome back, everybody. It's a very special edition of This Week in Bourbon. The first time that we've done something like this, where we're going to be able to kind of play an interview that we had kind of talked about and alluded to at the very top of the show. And, and before we kind of get that kicked off, I know we'll, we'll come back and talk about it. But Ryan, is your day kicking off? Is it going well? Week leading into something good? I know you're heading on vacation soon, too. Yeah, it's uh, been a great week. We had a successful trip to Bardstown, you know, this week uh, for our United project. So excited about that. But uh, it's always like you have vacation and you have to work like 12 times as hard the week leading up and then the week after. <laughs> and so that's uh, you're trying to get all your ducks in a row so you can try to relax, you know, while you're on vacation. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to it. How about you? Uh, that's exactly the same thing. It's been 72 hours of straight work cram sessions 
doing some bourbon cram sessions to get these podcasts out the door to make sure that everybody's got something to listen to on Friday. So while you're out mowing the grass, running, driving, hopefully Ryan and I are, are relaxing just a little bit this week. But yeah, we're we're looking forward to taking some time off. That's good. Yeah. Haha, <laughs> we're on vacation. You're not. <laughs> and you're not. <laughs> no. no, just kidding. But let's go ahead and we'll kick it off. Hey everyone, welcome to this special little edition and segment of Bourbon Pursuit, where we get to kind of talk a little bit more about, you know, it was one of those things that we we kind of see these rumors start spreading online, and this is what we do. We, we, we talk about them, and maybe we spread them even further, and we contemplate like, oh, what's really happening? And I'm fortunate enough to actually have a relationship with somebody that we're able to bring on. And he reached out to me because he heard the episode. So I know he's got his pulse on the industry and he's always paying attention to what people are talking about. And he wanted to kind of dispel. And this was when we started talking about what is going on with Evan Williams' single barrel. And he said, I kind of want to talk to you about it because I've got my own sort of love story and relationship with the brand and everything that came out of it. So I want to introduce everybody to Josh Hafer. He is the director of corporate communications for Heaven Hill Distillery. So Josh, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So kind of give us a little bit of a background too about why why Evan Williams Single Barrel actually means a lot to you. Well, let's start with the rationale for this rumor. Okay. Right? Yeah. So the truth is Evan Williams Single Barrel nationally is going away. Uh, it's still going to be here in Kentucky because we think it's an important part of our history and we want to have a home place whiskey for our consumers. But the reason for all of that is much richer than uh, just a simple decision because, you know, whiskey inventory is scarce. Even if you've got 2 million barrels, you know, put away, there's never enough of it, particularly in this market. So what we have to do is really look after the main line, Evan Williams and Elijah Craig in particular, and make these kind of tough decisions. But, you know, as you are aware with, say, Heaven Hill or Elijah Craig Rye, you know, we take pretty seriously the feedback that we get online and around about things that are available and where they're available. And so we recognize that there is a need for sort of a home place whiskey. And that's, that's going to be Evan Williams single barrel here in Kentucky. You know, for those brands, it was a pure question of like, are these things going to work, right? A lot of this stuff in our back offices are purely like speculative. Elijah Craig Rye is never going to work, right? It's never going to work. So we can't put it in Kentucky because there's just way too much noise here. Uh, so let's go find some other places. And then it's sort of like, oh my gosh, they're not doing this in their home place? What are they doing? <laughs> right? You, you but, kinda, yeah, you have to fight that blowback even by your people in your backyard. We do, we do. But but it informs future decisions. I mean, to be truth uh, uh, or truthful about it. So we get to make those decisions. And and this is one advantageous thing with Evan Williams Singrail. Now, the backstory on this product, and you really have to go back, Kenny. I mean, the whiskey industry today is completely different than it was in the late 90s and early 2000s. And Heaven Hill was a completely different place as well. And so if you go back to then, I mean, we had, I mean, we've got Whiskey Geeks today online you had to be a whiskey nerd back then, right? You were subscribing to Paul Packolt's newsletter. You were buying Gary Regan's Book of Bourbon. Uh, you were reading Malt Advocate, which was the precursor to Whiskey Advocate. 
You were doing all these things, but you had to go explore and find. Nothing was coming to you. And so there was this notable community of writers, right? And Heaven Hill had started Evan Williams Single Barrel. And at the start of it, we were trying to do something. My, my old colleague, Larry, would, would aken it to the Beaujolais Nouveau in France, where each vintage of the Beaujolais is released each year. And there is now, a, there used to be this cottage industry of like, you know, the, the wealthy people in all of France, right? The new Beaujolais comes out and there would be people who would race to the borders of France with these new Beaujolais. And it was a release. It was a vintage that they had each and every year. So we kind of tried to replicate that with our Evan Williams single barrel and establish a vintage. And at the beginning, what we had was Parker Beam selecting this, this whiskey and trying to it, make it a benchmark for the year ahead, right? All of the barrels after the first barrel of Elijah, or of, I'm sorry, Evan Williams single barrel were chosen. They would all sort of try to mimic this, this flavor profile. And we decided to celebrate this and bring this cottage industry of writers in. And, you know, what it did for us is it really changed the perspective on Heaven Hill. Because if you go back to late 90s, early 2000s, you know, as, as Max Shapiro would say, we've just resurrected uh, the whiskey industry from the great liquor store in the sky. And you have these bookers and you have Blantons and you have these precursors to the super premium industry. But you also had Heaven Hill. And at the time, Heaven Hill was not a really recognizable, you know, and formidable name in American whiskey. Evan Williams was out there with a little bit of Elijah Craig. You could buy it for about $14.99 in Indiana. And, but, you know, it was before this, the, the change in pricing and all of this stuff. And so over the course of time, the Evan Williams single barrel garnered us five whiskeys of the year. And it really changed the perception of Heaven Hill. And so, you know, this idea of this whiskey that, you know, 20 years later is, is a key component of, you know, our, of Heaven Hill Distillery, you know, we can't just let it go. It can't just go off into the ether, into nowhere. And, and so thank you for having me on here because I get to tell a little bit of this story. Yeah, no, that's exactly what we wanted to do. And that's why you reached out to me just because you had this, this sort of connection to it and you knew the history behind it. And I think that's probably more than what a lot of people knew about Evan Williams. I mean, most people look at it as, okay, it's, it's the, the bottle that's usually got the black wax on it. It's got some vintage on it. And it's usually some people's first foray into a single barrel type of offering. And you see it and it's, it's usually very adequately priced. I mean, yeah. today, what, $35, $40? At worst. Very, yeah, I was yeah. about to say. So people see that and they they gravitate towards it. And now we're moving into a direction of, it's being pulled off the market. And as mentioned, you know, it's like, yeah, you've got this huge inventory. Is the idea of doing that is because you wanted to kind of follow what you did with the Heaven Hill seven year and saying, okay, well, we can take this off and premiumize it to something else. Or is it just going to be, uh, you know, have, have something that's just a Kentucky only thing now, because honestly, that's one thing that we don't see in Kentucky anymore. People mm -hmm. are always like, I'm no. coming to Kentucky. What can I get selling Kentucky? And we're like, that's not the point of a right. bourbon company. Like right. you want to grow and be everywhere. Right. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's not to take it off market and then return it to the market. I, I mean, that's just not a strategy that we saw moving forward. And, and the reality is it's, it's scarcity. It's the, the, the barrels just aren't there to support the full portfolio at this point. And so we had to roll it back a little bit in order to do that. 
And is it just kind of looking at the numbers and you're like, listen, we've, we see what Elijah Craig's doing. We know this is where this is going. Evan Williams just, should I say Evan Williams single, Evan Williams is by far a, a huge selling brand. Don't mm-hmm. let, me, let me take that away from it. But the Evan Williams single barrel, it probably doesn't have the marketing engine behind it that Elijah Craig or anything else does. Totally. And and that is also resources out in the market, right? When, when we have our, you know, premium whiskey offerings, um, Elijah Craig's single barrel, you know, we have expectations of it or we've had expectations of it in the past, but, you know, maybe our salespeople are saying, could I go spend another day on Elijah Craig or could I go spend another day on Evan Williams? Because I can make, you know, a little bit more movement on that brand or we can have a little bit more support for those brands. And, you know, Evan Williams single barrel is not going to get the attention that it deserves out in the marketplace. And plus, I do remember that you used to be able to do Evan Williams single barrel private selections way back in the day. Well, I mean, way back in the day. I mean, this is going back to the the changes and 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 the role that Evan Williams single barrel played in these changes, right? I I, I think there was a point in time um, when we had a private barrel program. You could select between four different products: Evan Williams single barrel at nine to ten years old. Elijah Craig 18, a sing, you, private barrel Elijah Craig 18, right? That's Henry McKenna and Bernheim, right? Some people would say, I'll take all four, right? And now it's so limited in scope uh, by comparison. But, you know, it's, it's brands like Evan Williams Single Barrel that got us to this dance and have made, that are really part of the foundation of Heaven Hills Distillery. Yeah. And so I think the other thing that was kind of missed on you, you talked about a lot of the history behind it, but you've also have a a long history at Heaven Hill as well. And I think we have to be able to talk about that because you had mentioned that this was one of when we were talking originally, this is one of the first product projects that you worked on and had that, that sort of connection with. Well, you know, like when, so yeah, 20 years that I've been working on behalf or with Heaven Hill, I started in 2003 when I was this, gosh, 2000, I was 25 years old. Imagine being 25 and you're working at an agency and somebody says, Hey, we're going to go put you on this whiskey account and don't go screwing <laughs> it up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Done. What do I have to do? Um, it's a lot of work. Uh, and you know, the, the benefit of it was it was great people to work with. I mean, you know, my old colleague, Larry Cass, who retired from heaven Hill a couple of years ago, I was working for Max Shapira. I was working with Parker Beam. You know, the the Lifetime Achievement Award in American Whiskey is named for Parker Beam. Uh, you know, my old colleague uh, at this agency is now the head of communications for Buffalo Trace, Amy Presky. I mean, these are marvelous people that I got to work with. And so literally my first experience with American Whiskey was standing on the loading dock at... Uh, our Y warehouse in October 2000, right? And I've got these eminent whiskey writers uh, behind me, John Hansel, Gary Regan, um, Terry Sullivan, all of these luminaries. And I'm standing on this loading dock. I'm 25 and I'm looking out uh, over our warehouses and it's just this beautiful setting. It's evening, it's a beautiful October night, right? And I'm thinking what have I done to deserve this? Right. And then Parker bring Parker, Parker beam brings me a glass, a Glen Cairn full of straight from the barrel, Evan Williams, single barrel. I mean, this is pure heaven. Right. And to this day, I reflect on that moment as the moment that like I fell in love 
with what I was doing. Because where else do you get to fall ass backwards into this sort of job? And so over the years, we continued to do those vintages. And it really was the the foundation for my relationships that I've had over time. Uh, I was uh, writing to Lou Bryson today about he's one of the few people that's still in the industry that experienced all these Evan Williams single barrel vintage previews that we did. Um, and really understands kind of what we were trying to do. And, you know, Evan Williams single barrel, we got Evan Williams, which we got Elijah Craig, Bourbon Heritage Center, Evan Williams bourbon experience. I mean, it really is fundamental to how Heaven Hill came to be who it is today. And that's an awesome story and great background to it as well. So if you're going to give a sort of last word to people that are out there, how long do you think it's going to be? Have you already stopped shipping Evan Williams single barrel out to the market and then saying like, this is it starting the rollback process now? And Well, the word is clearly in the market. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it'll, it's a gradual approach. You know, the, the, the distilled spirits industry is, you know, slow if nothing else, right? You know, we've got... It is whiskey. It takes time. It, it, whiskey takes time. And then you've got these times for these orders. And then you've got, you know, state requirements for how long you delist or do whatever. So um, so it's, you know, any number of months uh, over the next couple months, right, uh, that you would start to see it move back from the market. But, you know, the great thing is, you know, you've got an uh, Evan Williams 1783 that is virtually the same age, small batch, mind you, but virtually the same age. And you've got these other great Heaven Hill offerings that, you know, you can play around with and still really uh, not sacrifice sort of the essence of Heaven Hill and our whiskeys and kind of what makes us really tick in terms of our quality and authenticity. Well, good. Well, so now people are going to understand where it's going. And then at some point, it's going to start rolling in itself into uh, the new new uh, Heaven Hill experience in Bardstown. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I think it's not just, as I understand it, it's just Kentucky. So it's not only going to be at Heaven okay. Hill Bourbon Experience. We, we've got our place for, you know, whether it's the William Heaven Hills or the select stocks, that sort of thing. Those things will still be a part of our visitor center experience. But Evan Williams single barrel will be a just Kentucky only. It won't just, it will not be exclusive to the Heaven Hill bourbon experience. And that was just to make sure it still has some sort of legacy to live on. And, and yeah, sure. Way. And it's approachable and findable still, right? Um, you know, we don't want the the situation where, you know, it's just going from, you know, the, the, from Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits out to, you know, Party Mart, or, or in, I don't know, Party Mart's guilty of this, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, but, you know, going to the store and then going straight off the, the shelf to, you know, a, you know, um, uh, an exclusive consumer. We still want it available. We still want it accessible. And we still want people to recognize this brand and its role uh, in the industry. Good deal. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming on and shedding a little bit of light, not only into just Evan Williams single barrel, but as well as your history with Heaven Hill as well. Yeah. I mean, the the stories that can be told out of these uh, these whiskey writers coming together for weekends at a time, you know, each and every year, whether it's me renting a car and driving Richard Carlton Hacker around for some period of time, or, you know, just the the, the series of events from Breeders' Cup to opening of 21C and everything like that. It's, it's really a, a great experience of mine. It's, it's a bunch of memories that I cherish, uh, and it's, it's part of who we are. Well, that's why you're a lifer at Overheaven Hill then, right? So far, so good. <laughs> well, thank you, Josh. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So it was an interesting thing to kind of look at and just to kind of summarize for anybody that was 
not taking notes. Evan Williams is not going anywhere. Evan Williams single barrel is kind of the staple that drug and and made Heaven Hill a multi-time bourbon of the year award winner. And that single barrel was really there for the OGs of bourbon, the people that were there on straightbourbon.com before Facebook existed, before this podcast way ever existed. And, you know, that's it's where they didn't really see the market wasn't really moving it anymore. So being able to remove it from the market because it was a steal at 30, 35, $40. And now it's turning into a Kentucky only release. So interesting kind of Interesting way to go to do that. Yeah, you hate to see it go. Uh, it's one of those things, like, I loved Evan Williams Single Barrel. It was kind of like one of my first, you know, premium bourbons, you know, that it was, you know, back in the day, it still was, like, you know, 20, 25 bucks. You're like, oh, man, that's high dollar for bourbon. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was kind of like a elevated, you know, it was great. It used to be a 10-year age-stated uh single barrels so it was always a fat uh, an excellent pour um sad to see it go but i understand because hell even i i don't think i've bought a bottle of evan williams single barrel in maybe 10 years um you know it's been a while for myself a lot of evan williams is kind of their home run you know every day it's a huge brand for them but uh elijah craig has kind of taken over that premium uh spot that evan williams single barrel you know kind of was in and then henry mckenna also but um, I understand it. And uh, I think it makes sense to just make it a Kentucky only move. Um, it'll kind of be like, you know, the heaven Hill green label and white label. Everybody like, Oh, I can't believe you're moving. And then people go clear the shelves and, you know, and then they're like, well, you didn't care about it. That's why we canceled it. Or, or so. <laughs> so, uh, I feel like this is a repeat, but, uh, no, I think I, I understand the move and, uh, I'm glad to see it not going away completely. Yep. And it'll be a Kentucky only release. Uh, I guess we can poke fun at everybody like, ha ha, we live in Kentucky. So I guess we have access to it. But now when you're getting ready to come and do the bourbon trail and you can go and stop literally anywhere inside of Kentucky, it's not just a gift shop only thing. And you can pick yourself up a bottle because now you can find something that's just unique to it. So. Yep. All right. So let's keep going here. The James B. Beam Distilling Company has celebrated more than two centuries of bourbon legacy by setting sights in the future with a historic announcement. As the first family of bourbon, they commemorated and completed a revamped distillery homestead and visitor experience, which also features the newly opened Fred B. No Distillery and the Kitchen Table Restaurant, which is delicious, by the way. Fred No, the eighth, or sorry, the seventh generation master distiller, we all, he's been on the podcast plenty of times. He announced the appointment of Freddie No, his son, who's also been on the show, as the master distiller of the Fred B. No Distillery. Freddie played a pivotal role in the development of this project, leading and manifesting Fred's vision for more than five years ago. Fred had always been inspired by his own father, Booker No, who created the original small batch bourbons. And now Freddie will continue leading this effort with some of the James B. Bean Distilling Company's most popular super premium whiskeys, such as Little Book and Booker's, created by his grandfather, Booker. Freddie was often referred to as Little Book by Booker because of the similarities between themselves. Booker started the Super Premium Bourbon segment, and now, as Master Distiller, Freddie plans to launch the next generation of Super Premium Whiskies for the James B. Beam Distilling Company, just like his grandfather. This is also the first time in history that there are two family members, at least on the James Beam side, working alongside one another, sharing the Master Distiller title. While Fred Nub will maintain his role as Master Distiller, overseeing the James B. Beam Distilling Company's portfolio brands that include Jim Beam, Knob Creek, Basil Hayden, and others, Freddie will oversee the Fred B. No Distillery as the master distiller. 
In this role, Freddie will experiment with new fermentation, distillation, and blending techniques to produce category-defining and boundary-pushing whiskey of the highest quality. Freddie will also lead experiential distillation sessions and seminars with hands-on activities in the blending lab. So there we go. Congratulations, yeah. Freddie. Yeah, congrats, buddy. Uh, grew up with Freddie. Have a I'm really proud of him, and he. This is something that he's deserved. It's not something just handed to him. He's uh, you know, a lot of people just say, "Oh, it's nepotism," or you know, it's just, "Oh, you hand down the crown." But uh, no, he's worked very hard, done all kinds of different roles at the distillery, and he's a fantastic blender and has a really innovative mind and just a really great. Uh, ideas for the future of where American whiskey can go. And so I'm really excited to see where he takes the brand and pushes it to the, the next level. Not just, they have a great portfolio already, but uh, I'm excited to see the future with Freddie uh, and his, uh, you know, his own little distillery down there. It's <laughs> his a, own little distillery. I, I shouldn't say it's a little distillery, but it's <laughs> a lot bigger than my distillery. But uh, <laughs> No, I'm, I'm excited for him. Yeah, it'll be fun. And they've kind of got that, the Fred B. No distillery that can kind of be their their playground where they, they mess with some stuff. Because the one thing that they had always said is they don't really have enough room for experimentation because of how big the workhorse is. To be able to sit there and, uh, you know, do a distillation yeah. run of some kind of experiment. I mean, you're talking a couple hundred barrels. There's no way that you can get around that. And so now by having this other distillery, they can kind of play around with some things. So you'll be able to see them start pushing the categories of some new stuff. So that'd be interesting to see. Yeah. The, the Booker no distillery down in Boston is real, the real workhorse. And like you said, it's hard to pump the brakes on a operation that's cranking out 1500 barrels a day to be like, Oh, let's try a seven grain, you know, see, <laughs> see how it works. So, uh, it makes total sense. And speaking of the kitchen table, if you haven't been down there, it is fantastic. Um, really cool i think we've talked about before but you need to head down there and check it out and the new visitor center looks great as well yeah so hats off to beam doing good things and actually you can put them it's always been one of those things people might not think like oh i'm not stopping at jim beam it's just that white label thing that you see on the store shelves that you don't take you know maybe you took it for granted because it's it's the bottle that everybody kind of maybe started off with but they've got a lot of cool things that they're working on now so make sure to go and check them out so there's a lot of good things happening there all right So if you are wanting to celebrate National Bourbon Day, well, you can go do it now in the bourbon capital of the world, June 9th through the 12th. It's a weekend full of bourbon-related special events, music, and more. From special pours and gifts at legendary distilleries and events like Bardstown Bourbon's Mixer and Bourbon Bourbon City Street Concert to a brand new Bourbon Capital Barbecue Challenge and Distillery Inventational. Boozy brunches and late-night shopping and the downtown will be alive with America's native spirit. The Bardstown Bourbon Mixer and the Bourbon Capital Barbecue Challenge have limited tickets remaining, so act fast. Tickets are not necessary for the Bourbon City Street Concert. But hot tip, if you plan to visit one or many of the distilleries that weekend, book your tour soon because they will sell out. So I think we had talked about this maybe, I don't know, had been a few weeks ago of the Barbecue Challenge, but now it's getting a little bit closer. So make sure you go and check it out. I like boozy brunches. Those are good. <laughs> isn't every isn't every brunch that you have a boozy brunch? Uh, not necessarily. When you have kids, <laughs> sometimes it's just pancakes and chocolate milk, <laughs> and a, and a Miller Light. Yeah, maybe a Miller Light. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Or a high noon. That'd be a, that'd be an issue if you just have to have 
Miller Lite with your pancakes every morning, but Aperol spritz. There you go. Make <laughs> yeah. class it up. Keep it keep it light. So Angels Envy, they are doing some more expansion. And I think we've talked about it before, but now it's getting closer. So we'll tell you again about what's happening. Their expansion will add more than 13,000 square feet to the current building, which currently stands at over 90,000 square feet. It will increase annual guest capacity by 64,000 individuals, allowing Angels Envy to open its doors to more than 100,000 guests total per year. The new spaces will include five new tasting rooms where guests can partake in educational bourbon tastings, an additional bar space where Angels Envy team members will continue to craft cocktails for reservations and, or sorry, uh, be able to craft, craft cocktails for everybody. Uh, you can also make reservations, have guest events, and there's a full event space plus a full catering kitchen. And that allows the distillery to be used for pairing dinners and private gatherings such as conferences and corporate events. There's also a designated room for the Angels Envy Bottle Your Own Experience, which post-expansion will offer guests the chance to fill their own bottle of Angels Envy as a distillery-exclusive single-barrel offering, and there will also be a larger retail area. The current production capacity of the distillery is 2 million proof gallons per year, and the, the current uh, expansion cost is $8.2 million, and it's going to create approximately 20 new jobs in Louisville. Nice. There you go. There you go, Angels Envy. Yeah. Well, I I think we're starting to see this trend now. I think Michter started it. You can kind of fill your own bottle. Heaven Hill does it. Now Angels yeah. Envy's doing it. Now you've done it. Knob Creek, you've been able to do it for a while, too. Um, it's a cool yeah, thing that you can do and kind of make a unique experience out of it. So I like it. It's very cool. And that the existing distillery they already had was a beautiful. It's, it's one of the nicest, modern, clean, very architecturally sound. That sounds lame, but it's very, <laughs> it's, it's not uh, going to fall down on you. <laughs> yeah. It's no, it's architecturally like appealing. It's very beautiful. Uh, it's, a, messing. it's the perfect blend of like the, the old, it was the old Vermont building. Um, or Vermont or Vermeer, one of those. Anyways, it's a very perfect mix of old and new. Sounds good. If you're an architecture buff, maybe you can go and give Ryan a run for his money there. Yeah, on the, the beams, the beams in there are sturdy, so <laughs> they can handle all the weight. They sure can. Uh, well, and maybe there's some. There's no pretty stained glasses there. I was about to say maybe that was the next thing that they're missing. Yeah, get some church glass. That and maybe. Do they have it? If they're not, they're really missing out. You know how you go to Nashville and everybody kind of gets those pictures with the angels' wings on the background? Like, they're really missing a picture opportunity there if they don't have something like oh, that on the side. I guarantee they have that. It seems <laughs> like everybody has that now. And now they have those, like, green walls, you know, with the, like, shrubbery. And it says, like, some catchy, like, you do you or <laughs> I don't know, like, something, some kind of. It, something you post on Instagram. I don't know. I've seen them a lot, a lot of places now. Just be yourself. Just yeah, drink just bourbon. YOLO. I YOLO. Live your life. So Evan Williams Bourbon, they've announced today the 2022 class of veterans selected as American Made Heroes, and they'll be featured on the limited edition Evan Williams American Hero Bottles. Each of the six veterans that are affiliated with organizations were also recipients of the 2021 Veteran Community Action Grants awarded by Evan Williams American Made Heroes Foundation Fund. To date, Evan Williams has recognized 48 veterans and its American Hero Edition bottles and has donated around $450,000 to nonprofits supporting the veteran community across the country. Here are the 2022 Evan Williams American Made Heroes. First is Chris Redder. He's a petty officer of the U.S. Navy. Chris returned to South Dakota to establish what is now the 
DTOM or DTOM 22 slash zero foundation and veterans ranch. It's a safe place for healing and recovery for military service members, veterans and their families. Alan White, a gunnery sergeant on the U.S. Marine Corps, feeling restless in his retirement. Alan continued to pursue his passion of working with canines. And in 2018, he founded Whitehaven Canine Evaluators, which is a nonprofit organization that currently serves 15 to 24 veterans by selecting and training dogs to be a life-saving emotional support animal. Shirley Dominic is a major in the U.S. Air Force, and upon retirement, she continued to help others by volunteering with her church, which led to her co-founding the organization Serve Our Willing Warriors, and later opening the Warrior Retreat Center at Bull Run, providing a much-needed break for recovering service members at military hospitals. DeAndrea L. Hardy is a corporal in the U.S. Marine Corps. She later honorably discharged and struggled to find support as she needed as a female veteran. DeAndrea continued to fight to improve her circumstances and launched the Battle Betty Foundation in August of 2018. Battle Betty is South Carolina's first women veteran resource resource center, providing emergency shelter, a closed closet, and empowerment workshops to female veterans. Marilyn Kelly Cavoda, a staff sergeant in the U.S. Army, she served for 13 years before untreated with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, and that led to her medical retirement. She then became involved with Shamrock Reigns, a specialized equine therapy center offering complimentary services to military veterans where she now serves on the board. Mike Arena, a master sergeant in the U.S. Air Force, he was diagnosed with PTSD and traumatic brain injury. He was medically retired after serving more than 23 years and joined a program that paired service dogs with veterans. The restorative therapy Mike received from his own service dog, Orion, became the genesis for Healing Paws for Warriors, a nonprofit organization that Mike ended up co-founding. The limited edition American Hero bottling is adorned with red and white stripes and stars, and displayed on the side of each bottle is one of the brand's key taglines, American-owned, American-made, American-proud. Celebrating Evan Williams' legacy as Kentucky's first commercial distiller, each bottling prominently features one of the American-made heroes on either side of the label, along with their story of service. More than 400,000 bottles of the Evan Williams American-made Hero Edition are available nationwide, bottled at 86 proof, and has a suggested retail price of $25 for a 1.75 liter bottle. I love hearing those stories. That's that's awesome that, you know, taking the, you know, dark, you know, deep, dark places they've been and been spinning and turning into a positive so that other veterans, you know, can benefit from their experience and grow. And uh, I, I'm just really proud of them, them and then also Heaven Hill for embracing them and giving them the spotlight and giving them the credit they deserve. So uh, thank you all for your service. And uh, yeah, this is one shining shining light, you know, that we can all celebrate veterans and help them through their, you know, hard times coming back home. I'll plus one to that. Very well said. And it was funny as I was going through there, I was going to stop at the first paragraph, but I said, you know what? I think this is something that I've got to go. I've got to be a little long winded this time and and tell the story of what everybody's doing. So it was, it was really interesting to kind of see what people are doing and where those grants are going as well. So thank you to everybody that is out there and making the world a little bit better place with it too. So That's all right. So this is kind of more industry news finally here is that whiskey remained the second largest distilled spirits category in the U.S. last year, making up 25.6% of the total market. And that's according to data from the Beverage Information and Insight Group. The category demonstrated strong growth in 2021 with American whiskey's 9-liter case volume growing 3.7% and imported whiskey jumping by 2.8% year over year. The strength of the category was reflected by the volume of new products introduced. 
the 264 new whiskey products that hit the market last year accounted for 49.1% of new distilled spirit introductions. Prepared cocktails took up the second highest share of the new introductions at 12.6%. So there's a pretty good delta there. Of the top 10 distilled spirits brands by case volume in 2021, three were within the whiskey category. Leading the way was Diageo's Crown Royal, followed by Beam Centauri's Jim Beam family and Brown Foreman's Jack Daniels. Whiskey's expansion is particularly, sorry, uh, whiskey's expansion is partially facilitated by the impressive growth of Jameson Irish whiskey, which added just shy of 500,000 cases for a 13.6% jump in volume year on year. Wow. In the U.S., only 500,000 cases. Yes. That's, that's incredible. A, that's a lot of Irish whiskey, my friend. And those are non-liter cases, right? It says cases, but it, it at the very top, it just said that America's whiskey's nine-liter case volume grew. So I'm assuming that they're counting as a nine-liter case, which anybody that doesn't know, that's essentially a 12-pack. Yeah, 12-pack of 750s. That's, a, that's crazy and good for uh, the category. Um, I guess there's only one bourbon in there, which is good. We'll take it. James, Jim Beam. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, it's well, crazy. It's not either either way. Not you say there's yeah. 200 and... Uh, 40 new product 200, bourbon where whiskey 264 new whiskey products. Gotcha. That's crazy. That's a lot. Well, we accounted maybe for one of those. Yeah, that's true. No. <laughs> We're part of the problem or the solution. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, Heaven Hill, this is this is gonna be just deemed the Heaven Hill episode. There's a lot of Heaven Hill going on here because Elijah Craig, they have announced a new multi-year partnership with PGA Tour professional golfer Taylor Gooch. A native Oklahoman and whiskey lover, Gooch's success both in on and off the course will now be supported by Elijah Craig as the official bourbon of Taylor Gooch. This marks the second PGA Tour pro to join Team Elijah Craig following Max Homa in January 2022. On tour for seven seasons, Gooch continues to build up on his success, sorry, his success, and he is currently ranked in the FedEx Cup Top 10 and 34th in the official World Golf Rankings. Gooch will add to the golf experience for his fans this season through integrated marketing campaigns, social media collaboration, and public appearances. And he will also proudly display Elijah Craig's logo on his shirt starting early next year. Nice. I, I want to be good at golf, but I, I know we should get Elijah Craig team to sponsor our scramble or something. Can we get some lessons from Mr. Gooch? <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> we'll start there. We'll see if they yeah. Start with the Gooch lessons and then instead of uh, a whiskey quickies, we'll do uh golf lesson quickies where we he fixes your slice and or my slice, whatever. I've I've got a pretty bad slice too, my friend. I at that at some point I just started correcting myself and just, you know, aiming a little bit left, knowing that it might go straight now. Uh, Mr. Gooch will get you straight out. <laughs> it's there's just so much that goes on. It's it's like it's the grip, it's your breathing, it's how far you pull it back, it's how fast you pull it back, it's whether you're pulling with your left, you're pushing with your right, whether your club face is open or you twist your wrist, and if you you know end up buckling your knee, did you feel a pinch in your butt? There was a was a fly in your face. Like there's just so many things that go wrong at a golf swing that Jeez. I see that's that all what goes on in your head. That's what that goes that? in my head every single time. That's why Yikes. I can't do it. You just need to drink more. Shut up. <laughs> shut off your brain. Go, go conscious. <laughs> just let the subconscious take over then. That's right. So here's the other kind of big story. And that's that bourbon thieves have been caught and convicted so anybody that remembers Adam Hers, he was on a previous episode as one of the great ones where we talked about how he and his team go and 
try to bust counterfeiters and everything like that. So he has his own page calls hers as whiskey tips or something like that. You can go and check out on Facebook and it talked about this in depth. So he said tips to this page led to the recovery of over $150,000 in stolen bourbon from Arizona. The behind the scenes team helped uncover police. Sorry. The behind the scenes team helped undercover police develop a sting resulting in the arrest and convictions of the thieves. This is a good example of what happens when the whiskey community bands together. And they said that they've held back reporting for over a year for safety of those involved. And the details uh, are now omitted as well to protect some of the sources and the methods as well as the people that were convicted. So early last year, a collector in Arizona found his storage unit burglarized, missing multiple cases of collectible bourbon. In addition to contacting the police, the victim asked a friend in the whiskey industry for help who put him in touch with the Adam Herz's team. The victim supplied a list of stolen whiskeys common in the secondary market, from things like Elijah Craig to Four Roses and to Van Winkle. That meant it would be very difficult to identify the stolen bottles if they resurfaced for sale somewhere, because there were no specific signs to look for. No known bottle numbers, no unique wear, damage, or markings, and no good photos. However, we knew the thieves would have trouble selling that much bourbon in quantity for good value. That meant they were likely to reach out to a number of possible buyers online, we alerted those contacts with warning signs to look for and watch for suspicious activity on the resale markets. One big worry was that the thieves would contact a broker and known to not ask questions. Some so-called alcohol brokering businesses are, are notorious for selling stolen collections. They can work so rapidly to close a deal, then resell the bottles quickly, losing them forever. However, in this case, after a few weeks of alertness, they got a hit. An online whiskey business said that they were contacted by a sketchy-sounding guy in Arizona selling rare bourbons with a doubtful backstory. A little investigation showed that this was very likely the perpetrator. They contacted the lead detective on the case in Arizona who agreed with their instincts. They worked with that detective to set up a sting with the detective posing as an interested whiskey collector. A buy was arranged for a few bottles. The deal went down in the parking lot. And when the police revealed themselves, one of the burglar sellers immediately fled on foot, dropping and shattering his stolen Van Winkle lot B. Other perpetrators, I know, right? <laughs> Other perpetrators fled in their vehicle. After a separate foot chase and car chase, complete with tackles and tasers, the suspects were apprehended. Search warrants were then issued, leading to the recovery of nearly all the stolen bourbon. Three perpetrators were convicted in plea deals, resulting in sentences of four, five, and ten years. Due to Arizona law, they don't know the specifics of the court case, and sentencing was probably influenced by prior records and drug possession. Whiskey works best when it's in a community, so please know who you're buying from. Scammers and fences will do legit deals to help fund and cover their, their shady efforts. So those quote-unquote real deals still have victims. So please don't help the dirtbags. Thanks again to the indubitable Alex Ennis, Brent Marcus, and those behind the scenes who wish to stay anonymous. You know who you are, and your work is hugely appreciated. Was this in a Cracker Barrel parking lot again? <laughs> yeah, you know. I remember that. That was a, that was a good one. These are yeah. these are fun stories. You kind of want to make these into little small movies or something like that. Oh, this one could definitely be made into like a, you know, a, a reel or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't get away with anything in the bourbon community. They uh, they're like better than any, like. <laughs> I shouldn't say police force, but <laughs> well, I mean, they're pretty good. Let's be honest. I don't think the police look at it as a very um, serious you know, matter. Yeah, like yeah, they don't care. Right. So you take in somebody like Adam. And by the way, I looked it up. He was on episode 345. If anybody that does know, Adam is also the he was the creator, the person who thought of and made the American Pie series. So 
He's a uh, very influential in that aspect in that realm as well. And now he also likes to help. Well, talented. I know. Now he likes to help, you know, catch all these whiskey thieves. But that's a it's a really cool story. So shout out to Adam and the team for making that happen. And you know, a year in the process of of all this. That's a it's a lot of things to to kind of keep under the wraps there. So. That is good job, guys. But that's it for the bourbon news. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with a really, really short amount of bourbon release news. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. And here we are, bourbon release news. And in fact, we only have just a, a tiny bit. I mean, just like two things, very, very quickly here. So we've talked about them before on the show, Lost Lantern. They're an independent bottler of American whiskey. They launched less than 18 months ago, and now they are going to release seven single casks that they have from six different distilleries. So they'd kind of do the same thing that Ryan and I did for Pursuit Series. We were talking to a bunch of different distilleries, selecting single barrels and bottling them at our own label. They're doing the same exact thing, but they've got some some good relationships they're building there as well. So number five is McCarthy's three-year-old Oregon peated single malt whiskey. Number six is Frey Ranch. That's a three-grain straight bourbon. Number seven is from Starlight. It's another straight bourbon. Eight and nine are Dad's Hats Pennsylvania straight rye whiskey. And number nine is actually finished in a vermouth cask. Number 10 is St. George Spirits from California. They're single malt whiskey. And number 11 is Balcones Distilling Texas single malt aged in a tequila barrel. Yum. That's fun. I love the, those are all great uh, craft distilleries and I'm glad they're getting exposure. So hopefully Lost Lantern can help elevate those brands. They're all, they're all good people. Yep. That's the, the same story we tried telling people all a long time ago, didn't we? I know. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Golly, that sounds... What a familiar story. <laughs> but no, congratulations to them. 
Uh, it's uh, it's not an easy thing to kind of go through this and source from all these different places and tell your story and make make them get on board with it. Then you got to pay to get it shipped, and then you got to bottle it, and you got to have your own label. It's a, it's there's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah, they must be better convincing than we are. <laughs> Much better those, sales. A lot of those turned us down. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We tried talking to Frey Ranch, and they were like, mm, I don't know. And then they went to them, so maybe they just don't like us. We're chumps. Is that, that's what it comes down to. Yep. All right, our last story is that Budweiser, actually Budweiser Zero, they'll be dropping something that is Ryan's new favorite thing. It's an NFT collection. And it's oh, titled, yeah. <laughs> and it's called the Budverse Legends Dwayne Wade and Budweiser Zero Edition. This collection is specifically available to consumers of 21 years of age and older and features custom Wade visuals, inspirational quotes, as well as a unique capability to unlock at each tier. Coming in three variations, NFTs will be able to be purchased in three editions. The core NFT is where holders can claim a core Dwayne Wade Decentraland jersey with an unlimited quantity available. And the next tier is the Hero NFT, which becomes more exclusive with 99 Hero holders earning a limited edition Budweiser and Dwayne Wade that can be signed by the athlete. Holders will also be able to receive limited edition apparel and merch, including the Hero Dwayne Wade decentralized jersey. And lastly, the legendary NFT can only be held by one user who will claim a lifetime in real life experience with Dwayne Wade, as well as legendary Dwayne Wade Decentraland jerseys. These those interested in the NFT collection will be able to access the collection starting on May 24th. Yeah, I'm still salty towards Dwayne Wade. He ruined uh, Kentucky <laughs> uh, when we was in the Elite Eight. He like had like a triple double or something crazy. And like when we had one of our best teams. And uh, no, that's you can really hold a yeah, grudge, yeah. can't you? Yeah, you know, so on these NFTs, man, I'm like, you know, at first I'm skeptical. Then I kind of learned a little bit about it. I'm like, okay, maybe it's right. And now I'm just like, it's gone too far. Like, it's like, I just don't see, and this probably just shows my age. I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this again. I don't think so. I mean, what was it? Uh, last week, we talked about Goose Island, Bourbon County, doing their NFTs. And right. those went out for sale. What do you think happened? Do you think they sold they out? sold or? out. Didn't. Didn't even come close to selling out. Yeah. And that was, I, I saw a tweet by somebody that's kind of recognizable in the beer community. And it was like, I like said like 48 hours later, still plenty of NFTs available. So I don't think they're going to sell out. I think you're going to start seeing these become, there's just so much, uh, you know, inertia behind it that people are going to get burnt out really fast. And you're going to see this huge uptick and then this big plummet. And the big plummet's already going to start happening because, you know, this is all, basically like on the Ethereum blockchain and not only did stocks take a tumble, so did oh, the crypto market like crush. Yeah. I mean, it all took a huge hit. So, so nobody has any money left. <laughs> well, exactly. So the only people who are going to make money right now, the people that held it in cash and other ones going to start be buying up, buying up stuff relatively soon. So hopefully you're one of those smart people that, that holds them back for times like these. Yeah. Not a, well, not no, I, not I, we're I not have smart any, ones. I have zero crypto. <laughs> Feeling good about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Good for you. I'm I'm still puckering up a little bit over here. Yeah, that's but right. We're holding for the long game, right? To 2040. Here we go. That and our bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But that's going to do it for this week in bourbon. Well, cheers, everybody. We'll be back next week with even more bourbon news. Until then, see you later. See you later.